0: Welcome to the Sheep Connect New South Wales podcast. It's time for you. a podcast produced for the sheep industry by Sheep Connect New South Wales. Hi, I'm Fiona MacArthur, a network coordinator for Sheep Connect New South Wales. The Sheep Extension Network in New South Wales which is funded by Australian Wool Innovation. Sheep Connect New South Wales has a membership of over 2200 and our main aim is to help keep you and your sheep business up to date on information about all things sheep. Winter lambing is underway across much of New South Wales, however it comes with its own set of management challenges. Having a solid lambing plan, incorporating good shelter options is fundamental to its success. In this episode of It's Time for You, I'm joined by Jim Medkiff to explore some of the top tips for a successful winter lambing this year. Jim is the principal of JM Livestock, a livestock advisory business for sheep, wool and prime lamb producers. JM Livestock is located at Wagga Wagga in New South Wales, but its services extend to clients and projects across Australia. Drawing on over 20 years of experience across many environments and management methods, Jim has also spent 10 years with the New South Wales DPI, five of those in Armidale, New South Wales, as the district sheep and wool officer and industry development for sheep and wool. Key interests for Jim are EID, reproduction, breeding and selection, industry projects such as the MLP, and extension of sheep programs from MLA and AWI, such as LTEM. Welcome Jim, and thank you for joining me on It's Time For You.
1: Good to be here with you Fiona, thank you.
0: Jim to start us off what are the main factors producers should consider when lambing in winter that will have a direct effect on lamb survival?
1: Yeah good question Fiona to open up with. It really comes down to appropriate time of lambing and when joining is occurring. To be lambing too early in winter can really limit your overall stocking rate and therefore your returns per hectare. Uh, We really want to try and fit in our production system with our pasture growth curve. However, um, certainly in this environment or through the mixed farming environment with the addition of grazing crops, you know, grazing canolas, grazing cereals, they are providing a huge amount of uh, dry matter to be utilised by livestock in that traditional winter period. So perhaps shifting to an earlier lambing may be um, certainly being considered by a lot of people. Other other factors, Fiona, obviously, you know, the condition score of the ewe, full on offer at lambing time. Um, paddock selections, obviously lambing in winter is not without its risk to exposure. So minimising the, uh, the opportunities for uh, losses due to extreme weather events needs to be considered. I think pregnancy scanning is the number one tool at producers disposal to help them do a stock stocktake and allocate resources appropriately.
0: Jim having a solid lambing plan is key to a successful winter lambing so I'd like to spend some time talking a bit more about some of these main components which you've just Um, pointed out there can we start with really talking about the importance of pregnancy scanning
1: yeah listen as I just said preg scanning it's the opportunity to undertake a stock take it it allows you to I guess make sure that the ewes are pregnant to start with that the rams did their job because um, it's not just all about you it's the fellows have got to come to the party as well if you do identify uh, reproduction issues at preg scanning well there's an opportunity to to remedy that um, if, if it's early in the season obviously allocating resources getting rid of dryers if that's the um, or, or shifting them into a weather flock or, or obviously selling them down if you're in a, a dry season but allocating the resources to those twinners to make sure that their condition score and their energy requirements are being met and ever so slightly increasing above our singles requirements prioritising our I guess allocation of the landing paddocks towards twinners uh, or triplets if there's triplets in the system as well because it's the twins the multiple births are the ones that most at risk of, of I guess uh, not yeah basically not not surviving uh, that's as a result of lower birth weights and I guess more competition in utero with, uh, with their siblings. So, just adding in there, Fiona, on, on the pregnancy scanning, whether to wet and dry or or do multiples, uh, there is a fairly good benefit as well as doing earlies and lates, certainly in a tough year when feed is limited, um, as well as in a year like this where we don't want to have big singles developing because of too much food availability, uh, high birth weights leading to dystochias that. Tend to lead to dead lambs and dead ewes, so yeah, dystocia can be a fairly detrimental um, have have a fairly detrimental effect impact on your on your enterprise's performance
0: scanning is the only tool that we have to identify twins and they're our real high risk group when it comes to winter lambing so the importance to you've just said to differentially manage them could you just take us through some of the condition score targets that we should be aiming at for that group of animals
1: yeah sure Fiona the condition score profile of of your flock will should should vary you know really should be moving up and down throughout the season it's not just a, a recipe to get right at three and keep it at three. Um, you know, If we are winter lambing, we're assuming we've got some green feed coming into the system pre-lambing. So ideally it's around gearing our production system to, to start kicking up with green feed. We don't want to be dragging the, the feed cart around the whole year. Um, ideally your twins, multiples should be sitting know 0.3 to 0.5 of a condition score ahead of your singles Uh, singles uh, merinos specifically uh, you know 2.8 to 3 similar for crossbreds and composites uh, maybe a little bit lighter for for them Um, you know 3.3 to 3.5 for your multiple bearing merinos would be a good target to achieve and yeah if in a year like this where down south anyway we've had such a marvelous break and plenty of green feed and the condition score of the ewes is piling on well it's it's not so much aiming to get them up but it's a matter of keeping them down towards three point five uh, many producers would be tickled pink if they could hit a three point five condition score for their ewes at the moment because uh, they're probably more more like three point eight or four there's there's so much feed abundance down here, which was placing them at significant risk of, of pregnancy toxemia as well as uh, other other issues, like I mentioned, the dystopia.
0: Yeah, Sue Hatcher dealt with that on our podcast a few weeks ago, so it's certainly um, being felt across some of the areas of New South Wales. Jim, moving on now, mob size has long been debated. How important is mob size and what is the recommendations for singles and twins?
1: Yep, good question. Uh, mob sizes. Uh, listen, the, the less the better for our twins and our singles. Very resilient. They can, you know, quite easily handle high stocking rates and high mob sizes. So, you know, we, we, when I say high stocking rates, you know, up, upwards of, you know, 12 years to the hectare and potential mob sizes of, you know, 400. You shouldn't see too much deviation. Um, if you went smaller or larger away from that with the twins however um, as small as possible small as practicable now if you've traditionally been landing twin mobs down or, or mobs down at, in 500s where well you can and you go to 250 or you know 300 that's a that's an improvement isn't it so if we can get um, subdivision in place whether that be through permanent fencing or Subdivision of paddocks with, um, say, electric fencing, getting those mob sizes down below 100 will yield benefits again. Um, you know, I think I think the Lockwood's research was in the order of about two and a half percent per 100. So, you know, that's two and a half, five, seven and a half, ten percent if you if you went from 400 back to 100. So, yeah, it's very. Um, it's an easy way, easy way to pick up a few percent isn't
0: it. Yeah absolutely.
1: Uh, mob sizes are one thing stocking rate is a different question and I really don't think um, you know not too many not too many places are running extreme stocking rates that are going to end up with high uh, high number of lamps born per day in those in those mobs. The, the other Thing I should add in there is try and if you can lamb your maidens separately to your mature age use that's um, there's another, another few percent you can pick up there simply by keeping them separate from your mixed age use.
0: Jim our singles are really quite a fairly robust group of animals so we can do a little bit more with them and I'm assuming they will quite happily go into their lambing paddocks at the point of lambing but should we be more careful with our twins?
1: Yes definitely looking after your twinners, reducing that stress on them, giving them a chance to to settle in and potentially, you know, we want to have um, good food food quality, so potentially clover in the system uh, allows us better intake through high digestibility, that's going to allow those twin bearing ewes a a better clearance of their progesterone to, to have a smoother birthing process. Just to be able to find a, a birth site away from the rest of the mob, where they can have the lamb, bond with the lamb, get the lamb up, and, and you know, forming that ma- uh, maternal bond over many hours, rather than having the disturbances of you know other, other ewes in the mob that are feeling a bit maternal. I guess some of our composite sheep are very maternal, and they um, they like to fuss over lambs being born. So if you can get those twinners especially off into the paddock and, and settle down probably you know ten to two weeks ahead of schedule that'll reduce all those stresses associated with with milk fever with pre-tox um, and feed intake and feed quality is going to be improved hopefully you, you know your lambing paddock should have more feed in it than where they've come from so definitely definitely be aiming to get those twinners in in the lambing paddock ahead of schedule
0: Thanks, Jim. I'm just going to change our focus now because we are talking about winter lambing. So the climate obviously has a huge impact on that. And often when we think about it, we're thinking about temperature and rainfall and wind as our main climatic variables which influence lamb survival. But could you just take us through how those three parameters interact to affect survival and if there's an index that producers can refer to?
1: Yeah, there is. There is. Obviously, it comes down to, as you say, that the wind, the rain and the temperature. Uh, winter lambing, I know in the New England we used to get big frosts and people all would see the, the temperature on the news report and think, God Armadale's cold, but they forget about the beautiful blue sky day that you get. So, so you get a big frost, it doesn't mean there's any wind either. So the combinations of wind and rain and, and temperature, they need to sort of come together to, to calculate this chill index which was um, adapted from uh, Nixon and Smith in 1972. The chill index uh, combines wind and rain and the temperature throughout the day to, to uh, into, into units measured as megajoules per meter squared per hour. Uh, essentially, it's a heat loss index, and the magic number, I guess, is above or below 1,000. Now, when there's a sheep grazing alert announced on the from the Bureau of Meteorology essentially it's meaning that there's a there's a risk of that chill index being over a thousand and fifty um, and you know rarely do we get weather combinations like that in the New England uh, down in the southern tablelands or the southwest slopes or if you're in Victoria or down in the western districts when that cold front comes through we've got wind we have rain and we have low temperatures and in combination they produce um, a high risk of lamb losses and exposure, so getting getting uh, in the road of well, how can we reduce those uh, combinations or those factors? We can't do much about the rain, we can't do much about the temperature, but what we can do is reduce the wind speed at ground level where where the lamb is um, being born or where you know in the lamb's environment. You've got you got to remember that the um, yeah you know, the measurements have been taken at somewhere like an airport, so. So not not really representative of a good landing paddock, but um, if if you've got sheep camps up on the side of a, a craggy hill facing Antarctica, there's a there's a fair chance that they're going to cop every bit of that wind shore. So selection selection of your landing paddocks is is only um, well can can be prioritised for for your twin bearing or, or your animals most at risk of, of exposure.
0: And Jim, when mitigating the effects of the high chill index, shelter is going to play a major role in that. How can we improve shelter in our lambing paddocks? What options are available?
1: Yeah, listen, Fiona, there's a lot of uh, options available when it comes to selection uh, prioritising paddocks based on their ability to offer shelter. Um, landscape features, that's a classic one. If you've got, you know, sheep camps on... Uh, exposed open hillsides, well probably not best to be putting twinners into that paddock. Try and find the paddock lower down in the landscape that doesn't mm-hmm. face the prevailing winds whether that's the southwest or the, the west or the south. Um, yeah. Pasture species, this year's been great. We've had a, an early break in our, our phalaris and grasses, even our clovers are sort of sitting up in that you know, 30 centimetre height bracket and uh, if you're a little lamb and you get, get yourself nuzzled indoors the, into those grasses that, that wind uh, effect really is negligible. Grazing crops like our canolas, our grazing cereals, they're all offering great um, protection. Problem is that they can offer a little bit too much protection and, and end up mismothering. I think shelter belts with a lot of shrubs in them are fantastic but you've got to make sure there's enough shelter belt in the paddock for all the sheep to get access to it. Um, hedge rays are very, listen, they're an obvious choice if you can establish them using species like phalaris or tall wheatgrass as shown in the, the Evergrace um, research work down at Hamilton. The tall wheat, tall wheatgrass hedgerows are fantastic. I know here in the Riverina we've got producers with saltbush um, saltbush alleys forming a, a, quite an amazing microclimate in between them with the you know pastures and crops uh, grown in between them for optimum landing environment so there's plenty of options available um, they don't always have to be put there by us uh, tussocks, for example are offer a marvelous shelter as well so you know those lumpy old tussocky fescue and phalaris paddocks they mightn't look that great and be that comfortable to ride the motorbike across but uh, when it comes to offering shelter for newborn lambs they're fantastic
0: great thanks Jim there's a number of options there to suit different environments and a number of different production systems so I just would like to, before we finish up, look ahead to next year. So what are some of the management practices producers could focus on this year to help optimise their results for next year?
1: Okay, so we've obviously, assuming that we've got pregnant ewes on board going into landing paddocks, the next management um, operation will be landmarking. That in itself is a wonderful opportunity to identify paddocks that performed really well and paddocks that perhaps didn't perform so well. Keeping records of ewes in, ewe mortality, lambs out based on twins or singles. Um, the only way you can do that is to to landmark them in the in the paddock mobs and then mob them up afterwards. Please, if you can do that, you'll you'll go a long way towards towards answering your questions. If you just mob them all up for the contractor and so there you go, well you've just lost that opportunity to collect that, that information on specific paddocks. Wet and drying at landmarking, critical operation if you are aiming at increasing your reproductive rate, a bit like getting rid of the dries at Preg scanning. It's a great opportunity to identify mm. ewes that land and lost. Uh, is there an issue with, uh, I guess, disease in the flock from, say, a, a, a reproductive disease? Like, Look into that. Um, Setting up for weaning a a, a year like this, we're we're very tempted to to leave the lambs on mum as long as possible. All you're really doing is is knocking the year around and filling the lambs up with worms. Still stick to your your 12 week, um, maybe 14 weeks for your earlier born, but 12 weeks probably advisable down in this environment for uh, so merinos to merinos, going back, getting them giving them a chance to put on some condition score whilst there's still some um, quality feed around. The feed quality I anticipate to um, decline rapidly, it's going to be plenty of quantity but not a lot of quality. Um, Giving those ewes a chance to put on condition score and and set themselves up for a higher reproduction rate uh, at the next joining is, uh, it's in the offing, we can achieve it if we want to this year couple of other things producers might consider is if if they are finding that the grazing crops are working for them, uh, getting back into more of a a normal, hopefully climatic pattern, getting away from our droughts and having a bit more um, pasture production in the paddocks. Listen, producers can look at uh, earlier joinings using the ram effect to their advantage, their, uh, their options available. For seasonal breeders like um, like Regulin, you can use that to to basically simulate your autumn landing but do that in the summer. So there's options to get high reproduction percentages whilst lambing a bit earlier um, and utilising that pasture produ- or that food production coming off those grazing crops. The the other option um, is if you are lambing sort of in the middle of winter to go a couple of weeks later just when your pasture does tend to take off and get you away from those those high chill um, chill index numbers that might be happening in July or August and if you can go towards the end of August you might find yourself uh, in a much better environment with more, more foo around you as well. I know up in the, the New England listen you're not really expecting lambs to hit the ground until September or, or October so You know it's horses for courses you really do have to think about um, when your pasture is going to be growing because your highest nutritional demands are going to be from lactating ewes. Uh, Getting those lambs set up for a successful weaning weight uh, will will more or less guarantee their survival. The, The other thing you know there's no better time to start preparing shelter if Reproduction rates and surplus sheep and, and lambs are an integral part of your enterprise. Having live lambs at marking and weaning is pretty important. So, you know, if you've got a lot of multiples in the system and you want to keep going that way in your enterprise and you've identified that there are not enough paddocks with shelter in them for the number of ewes with twins on board, uh, you better start preparing some some new shelter belts or establishing some subdivisions uh, utilization of electric fencing to subdivide paddocks to to make use of available shelter um, you know identify some areas where where a, a tree lot might might benefit other things in the landscape as well as shelter for your livestock there's that great calculator from from Evergrace, the um, Evergrace, uh shelter for lambing tool developed in 2016 for, through Evergraises. It's a great tool to to make you, make some comparisons about lambing dates and with and without shelter and and different survival rates for your twinners. So there are very good calculators available to to help you determine that. Um, Fiona, yeah. So that's that's a really great tool. I think if you did want to consider investing in shelter what sort of return will that yield you
0: great thanks Jim with winter lambing underway I'd like to thank you Jim for the timely information you've shared with our listeners and for joining me on it's time for you
1: great stuff yeah. great to be here and I wish all our producers the very best for uh for their lambing lamb marking in the spring ahead
0: We hope you have enjoyed this episode of It's Time For You, the Sheep Connect New South Wales podcast. We'd appreciate it if you could share our podcast within your networks. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to the AWI podcast, The Yarn. We'd love you to stay in contact with Sheep Connect New South Wales, and you can do this in a number of ways. Join our network by visiting www.sheepconnectnewsouthwales.com.au find us at sheepconnect new south wales on facebook and twitter we look forward to seeing you at our workshops and events later in the year thanks again for joining us today bye for now